0: I am not an expert i've never published a book or taught a class i've never even put anything in a quilt show but i love quilting and i love talking about quilting i make a lot of mistakes but i like to think that sometimes i learn from them and get just a little bit better if hearing about someone else's goofs and mess ups makes you feel better about yours then i've done my job join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 60 in which we respond to the world through quilting. I'm actually having problems wrapping my head around the fact that this is episode 60. (laughs) Boy, some of you guys have stuck with me for a long time. Um, Some of you are just joining us and so if this is your first episode you're ever hearing, welcome. Glad to have you with us. I am recording this on Tuesday, September 6, 2011. Not that that really matters, except it does a little bit for one brief reminder that the deadline for the... uh Third quarter stash mystery challenge, the summer quarter deadline is coming up next week on September 12th. So, if you have something you want to submit for the stash mystery challenge, please make sure that I get a picture of it or a link to your blog where you've posted a picture, or just shoot me an email that you've posted it in the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group or whatever. Um, sometime before midnight. In anyone's time zone on september 12th and that way your name will be entered in a drawing for some y wonder i've got some sitting on my shelf just waiting to find a happy new home so don't forget that that deadline is coming up and that's really the only reason that it matters that when i'm actually recording this episode otherwise it's timeless Um, Anyway, I've gotten a few of those Stash Mystery Challenge submissions in, but I know that there are more warm color projects floating around out there, so be sure you snap some pictures and get them off to me. Um, I've got a couple of announcements to make actually I've only got one left that was one of them and then a little bit of a sandy update and then we're going to get into the content for this episode in which we respond to the world through quilting and then I'll do some listener comment stuff because you guys have been chatty since my last episode I love it love it love it so I'm looking forward to talking back to you. Okay, the announcement that I have to make, other than the one that I already just made, is that there is indeed, yes, another new quilty podcast out there done by one of our listeners herself, Very Lazy Daisy. And her new podcast is Lazy Daisy Quilts, and you can find that at VeryLazyDaisy.Podomatic.com. Now last week, the last time I checked before I went out of town for the weekend, it was not yet on iTunes, but you can subscribe through iTunes using a button on her Potomatic site and it's quite possible by now it is on iTunes. I'm sorry I did not think to check before I started to record this episode, mostly because I suddenly realized I had time to record an episode and so I'd better sit my butt down and get it done, so I did not uh, check that. I apologize for that, but I do know that you can get the her episodes at verylazydaisy.podomatic.com and subscribe through iTunes using the button on her site. And Very Lazy Daisy, if you would like to post a comment giving an update to that on uh, this episode, you can certainly do that. I have listened to the first episode. I have been out of town for the weekend and was not able to check for a new podcast yet, but we'll be doing that as well and enjoyed it. Welcome to the fold. Very Lazy Daisy enjoyed it. Um, Okay, Sandy update. Like I mentioned, I was just out of town this past weekend for Labor Day here in the United States. And Friday was also a furlough day for us in my office. As I've mentioned before, we had five furlough days in 2011. For budgetary reasons, they're no work, no pay days. And so I had determined originally that I was going to use those five days each as a mini quilting retreat And um, this Friday instead, I convinced my husband to whisk me away. It was actually a belated birthday weekend celebration because my birthday the previous weekend, my husband had been out of town. So I actually got my mini quilting retreat in on my birthday instead. So I guess it all comes out in the wash. In any case, uh, we decided to go to one of our favorite places in the world um, to the Stratford Festival or the Shakespeare Festival up in Stratford, Ontario, Canada. Uh, If any of you live within a day's drive of Stratford in Ontario, I would strongly recommend you go to the Shakespeare Festival. It is absolutely wonderful. My husband and I have been going for years. We've never seen a play that we did not thoroughly enjoy. Um, Others, you know, some stand out in our mind more than others. They are primarily Shakespeare plays, but not entirely. So, for example, this weekend we saw um, The Misanthrope, which is a play by Moliere, And then we also saw Twelfth Night, which is a Shakespeare play, and Twelfth Night featured Brian Dennehy, so that was pretty cool. Um, He wasn't the lead lead role, but he was a a major role, and it was just fun to watch. Twelfth Night is just a really very good play, and um, they did an amazing production of it and used music throughout it, which is not kind of normal for these sorts of plays, but they did it really well. It was just fantastic. Absolutely loved both of those plays. So again, I highly recommend Stratford. Uh, We did not actually stay in Stratford because we left it too late to get any hotel reservations. So we ended up staying in a little town south of Stratford called St. Mary's and uh, stayed at an inn there. And the inn was just wonderful. Uh, We had a little bit of problem over the weekend, like many other parts in the country, although not as severe. Um, as other parts. We did have storms while we were there, and the entire power of the entire town of St. Mary's went out on Saturday night, including at our inn. We had ended up eating dinner somewhere else and still had power where we were, although barely, because it was kind of flickering on and off throughout dinner. Uh, And then when we went back to the inn, the power was completely out, and they did have a restaurant in the inn, and they were all eaten by candlelight. I have no idea how those chefs (laughs) managed to keep cooking. You know, I don't know whether they had uh, butane burners or whatever in the kitchen, but somehow they did manage to finish serving their evening meal that night. The power was out just for a few hours. It was probably back on by around 10.30, but that was our adventure of the weekend. And then the next morning as we were out driving around, there were a lot of branches down and things, so it had really blown through pretty steadily, Uh, but not as bad as I know that it was happening down in the southern states of the U.S. where um, there were tropical depressions flying through and all sorts of stuff. So I've been thinking about you guys all down there. Some of the folks that we know from down there, the other Quilty podcasters and such we've heard from, they're doing well, but there's a lot of people with a lot of damage. So do send strong clean up thoughts and all that kind of stuff to people who have been drastically affected by weather. Uh, One other little announcement for those of you who might be planning on going to Stratford at any time, I found a fabric shop there. I don't remember there being one there before, um, but it's been a couple of years since we've been in Stratford long enough to actually poke around. Normally, we've been going to Niagara on the Lake and just driving up to Stratford to see a show and then going back to Niagara on the Lake. This is the first time in a few years that we've actually stayed right in that area, and uh, I did find a fabric shop, and it's called Ye Old Fabric Shop. Or perhaps you might want to say Ye Old Fabric Shoppy because it's spelled S H O P P E. But Ye Old Fabric Shop was a very nice quilt shop. It's on Erie Street in Stratford, for those of you that that means anything to. It was. A fairly small shop, but very, very well laid out, lots of really nice displays. Um, I think I've mentioned before that I really like the kind of quilt shops that don't show you everything when you first walk in the door, that you have to kind of move through corners and kind of poke around to, to see everything, and this was one of those shops It was really cute. I really enjoyed her displays, I, I liked her fabric, um, the selections that she was carrying in particular. And, uh, you know, fabric in Canada, at least in Ontario, is a little bit pricier than it is here in western New York. Um, not too bad. I I think I paid probably maybe a dollar more for a fat quarter, maybe 75 cents more than, you know, for a fat quarter than what I normally pay at home. But I, so I bought a few fat quarters. I didn't buy any yardage mostly because I don't have any projects in mind and I'm trying to use Stash not add to it at the moment. So I just bought some fat quarters of a Christmassy type, although they're not a um they're not traditional Christmas colors. And unfortunately, again, I sat down to record this episode before I pulled everything together or I would tell you exactly what the line was and I I don't have it in front of me, so I'll have to dig that out and maybe later post it. And I also bought a pattern for a wallet, which I think actually will be the um answer to my desperate needs for some sort of container for all of my business cards. I now have three or four different business cards that I carry between work, volunteer life and personal. And it's really, it's surprisingly hard to find a decent thing that'll hold a bunch of different business cards without them flying out all over your purse all the time you know, go figure. <laughs> Most people, I guess, don't have four different business cards that they're carrying with them at all times. But anyway, I found this wallet not only has the traditional kind of clasp in one direction, but it also has a secondary clasp in the, like a button loop going on one of the ends too. So it really keeps both sides in. And the, um the store, I'm assuming it was the owner, maybe it was, maybe she's not the owner and was just happened to be working in the store. But the one person that was in the store uh, showed me one she had just made herself so I was able to actually see it done, and she kind of explained to me, oh, yeah, this went, went together here, and it really it was pretty fast. It only took me an hour, so I've got high hopes for this thing. Uh, so I don't know when I'm going to have time. Maybe this weekend I'll be able to put one together and see how that goes. So that was my, my fabric um a souvenir for the weekend. So that was fun. Again, Ye old Fabric Shop on Erie Street in Stratford, Ontario. Uh, if you're in the area, track it down. It's Erie Street is not on the main drag or anywhere near the main drag. It's kind of a little bit out of town, but it's got a nice big parking lot. It's on the same thing as a gas station, so it's very easy in and out, easy to get to. So go try it out. Uh, the only other Update. (laughs) I haven't gotten a lot of actual quilting done. Again, it's been a pretty busy time, but I did finally finish the design for my stash challenge in EQ7 and was able to print off my various rotary cutting information and uh, templates for the applique part that I want to do having to do with it, and hopefully we'll get to start cutting that out this week. I am not positive I'm going to make my own deadline, but I'm shooting for it. <laughs> we'll see. And uh, if I can actually get some stuff pieced together this week, and I'll post pictures myself. Um, not that I include my name in my own drawing, because that would be silly. Oh, I won. I get to send myself my fabric. <laughs> I don't do that. Anyway, um, so that's my Sandy update. Oh, the only other thing I wanted to mention is um, I did sign up for another Quilt University class. And this one I really intend to finish. I got a little hit and miss with Quilt University classes last spring. I signed up for a couple and just got so bowled over with work that I only got halfway through both of them. I got like two out of the four weeks done and just never was even able to get back to it in time to, you know, download the rest of the lesson plans and stuff. It just, the spring completely got away from me. So this time I'm really going to try to stay on top of it. And this one is on design principles and it's with Lyric Kinnard. Um, as the teacher. And Lyric is the author of the book Art Plus Quilt, which is um, an art uh, design principle creativity exercise type book that I've owned for a while, and I've really wanted to take the time to go through all the lessons in it and never have. So I'm really looking forward to this class because the book is not required, but it's recommended. So I suspect a lot of the exercises and things she's going to do in this class are um, from that book. So I'm really looking forward to doing that, and if any of you are interested in learning about design principles, you should check out Quilt University, um, which is just quiltuniversity.com, and then look for the class by Lyric Kinnard. It's not called Design Principles. I think it's called something like a quilter's art toolbox, artistic tools. I don't remember now. I'm sorry. Again, should have done some preparation before I started down to, uh, sat down to record, but You'll you'll forgive me, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, So that's my Sandy update. Those are my announcements. Let's talk a little bit about how we respond to the world through quilting. This is actually a conversation that's been happening in Big Ten. Patched Pastor had posted a question in Big Tent, in the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup to the QuiltCast Supergroup in Big Tent, asking about what folks are doing to mark the anniversary of 9-11 um, here in the United States. This coming weekend marks the 10th anniversary. It's not a good thing to call an anniversary. Uh, the 10th observance of 9-11. And uh, a lot of people are still working through a lot having to do with what happened on that day. And Patch Pastor mentioned some things um, herself that she tends to do. And, and she had set started her question with a couple of sentences that made me start thinking. And so I went ahead and kind of reposted the question. I asked people to be sure that they responded to her specifically about uh, her question about nine eleven on her original thread. But then I also started a secondary thread. And here's what I had said. I I wanted to pick up on how she began her post and also have a conversation relating to the first couple of sentences. What she said... Why is it that the first rumors of a storm or an earthquake or the like sends me into a quilting frenzy? It's as if I can protect the world if I can just get this quilt done in time. The tornadoes in Tuscaloosa and Joplin this spring were way too close for comfort and I headed straight to the sewing machine. This weekend it was Hurricane Irene that sent me into a whirlwind of getting a trio of baby quilts finished. That was the end of her quote. And so I finished by saying, what I'd like to know is, do any of you do the same? Do you find yourself responding to world situations by heading to the sewing machine? Why do you think that is? And so the first person that responded was Quilton Cat, and she said, I think it's natural to want to help in the best way you know how. As quilters, we know how to make people comfy and warm. I look forward to the day when I have time to make charity quilts. But for now, I make little tote bags and small projects for various causes in my area. It's something I can do on a tiny scale that makes me feel useful. I may not have much time or money to give, but I do have fabric scraps. Eileen the quilter responded, I have decided to help the Home of the Brave quilt project. These quilts are made for the families of those military heroes killed. I have a used older model handy quilter, but it works just fine. I will be a quilter for this wonderful organization. Many of our military were inspired to join after 9-11. This is our brightest and best that have given themselves to protect our freedom. Um, And by the way, Eileen, the quilter, has a blog at loves to quilt blogspot.com. Loves spelled L-U-V-S. So L-U-V-S-T-O-Q-U-I-L-T dot blogspot.com. Much loved responded to the question. In response to why we quilt, crochet, knit, etc. in the face of uncertainty, I would like to offer my own explanation. Picking up handwork or sewing on my machine brings me great comfort and is my go-to for immediate stress relief. I found this true with many of those who create. There is something calming to working with the hands, almost spiritual. Much loved. Scientific Quilter, who is another podcaster, responded, Going to something familiar is always nice when the world is uncertain. There's also a repetitiveness to things we are doing. We cut repeatedly, sew repeatedly, press repeatedly. This familiarity and repetitiveness can have a calming effect. I find it especially great to pick up a project mid-stride that needs little decisions or creativeness, creativity as my mind wraps itself around the horrors of the world that are sometimes soon forgotten. I have been recently listening to other podcasts put out about March, and it puts me into the mindset of Japan. And I think about how the Japanese were able to pick themselves up after World War II and become such a world power and player, and now they're having to do the same again after the earthquake. Also, hearing stories of areas rebuilt after times of tragedy can reassure us that we can make it past these life-changing events. What's hard for me to know and to do is to get settled on an idea to do something to help out. I don't know that anything that I've ever handmade has really gone to someone in need, rather more for want or desire. Hurricane Irene and the upcoming 9/11 anniversary is a good reminder for us to not take anything for granted and a good push to get us back into to get us into thinking what we can do for others. But we have, but we all have our own little microcosms, our little places in the world that we are making better and brighter with our craft, and when someone is having a particularly bad day, I'm reminded of the beauty in such repetitive actions such as quilting or crafting, and how it can create a smile or a good thought, which also ultimately makes the world a better place. Without the beauty around us, what exciting things are there to live for anyway? So those are the responses I've gotten so far to that question, and I do encourage you to go to Big Tent and give your own response. As I've been thinking about it and been thinking about 9-11, and, of course, remembering, you know, I think all of us who live here certainly know where they were, what they were doing that day, when they first heard everything was going on, um, certainly. And for me, that day is also somewhat tied up with when my father died. He he passed away, I think, about three weeks after 9-11, and he was quite sick at that point. I had actually just started quilting, really, for for sure that summer. Because my father was so sick, I was the daughter that was most available at that point to help my mom out with my dad. And so I had at one point decided over the summer I was going to ask mom to teach me how to quilt, uh, to mostly give her something else to do you know, something to kind of keep her mind off for little bits of time as we could, what dad's needs were at that point. And mom had tried to teach me how to quilt once before, hadn't stuck this time. uh, We had, you know, prolonged periods of time together, and that was when it really, for me, did stick. And so that fall, I was making wall hangings and um, doing some projects here and there. And I had just started working on some of those uh, fleece, Quillows, you know, the, the a quillow is a quilt that you fold up and tuck it into itself so it becomes its own pillow as well. And so I was making these out of fleece, not actually quilting, but just a piece of fleece. And then I was doing blanket stitching around all the edges. And I was making one for each of my nieces and nephews um, at the time. And I had just started working on maybe the first one when I heard about the first planes hitting the towers. And I just remember spending days on end, sitting in front of the TV, watching the news in the aftermath of 9-11, working on the blanket stitches on these fleece blankets. And I do think there is something to do with the repetitiveness of the action of the, you know, in my case, it wasn't technically quilting, but it was sort of quilting and the stitching that I was doing. I did find sort of somehow comforting in the midst of all this chaos. And then I was continuing to work on these blankets through the time that my father did actually then pass away and um, in the weeks following until Christmas, until I got the last one done. And they really were a comfort to me, and I think it was partly that repetitive motion thing, but it was also very much that I was providing something I knew would bring Joy and comfort and coziness to people I loved, so I think it kind of had both of those things, even if it wasn't at a conscious level um somewhere in me, those things were at work during this very, very difficult time, both for our country and for me personally so I do think that there is something about quilting or knitting or crocheting or any of this handwork or probably any artistic creative endeavor whatsoever is it gives us a way to sort of deal with some of these emotions, either by soothing us or by giving us an opportunity to express our concerns, our worries, our fears. So I guess, I, you know, I don't have any grand conclusions to offer you, just some thoughts, just a conversation that began in, in Big Tent that I wanted to share with you. And invite you to be part of that conversation as well. So again, you know, go into Big Tent and see if you have some things you want to offer as well in terms of, you know, how do you respond uh, to what's going on in the world through quilting. So if you've got responses, either post them on the uh, show notes to this episode um, or join us in the conversation in Big Tent. And don't forget uh, the original question asked by Patched Pastor about 9-11 itself. If you would like to um, join in on that conversation, that's also another thread in the um, Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup to the Quiltcast Supergroup in Big Tent. Now, like I said, I've gotten a whole lot of emails and comments to episodes, etc. the last few days. So I'm going to be sharing with you uh, quite a bit of what you have said I do want to announce that um I heard from Mary Ellen of the Amherst Museum Quilt Guild in Amherst, New York. And last year I had mentioned that they have this fall seminar. Well it is coming up again, and Mary Ellen asked me if I would be willing to mention it t- to you again, and I am certainly happy to do that, even though I am seriously bummed that I can't be there myself. I really think. They need to plan better next year and have it on a different weekend (laughs) because it's it's apparently always on a weekend that I'm out of town because I'm out of town the same weekend every year and I'm really irked. Anyway, (laughs) so they're having their annual fall seminar, September 14th to 17th. And it's hosting Sharon Chamber and Carla Alexander and eight local teachers for four days of quilting fun. The evening lecture to be given by Carla on September 14th is open to the public with no reservation required. Classes are also open to the public, but sign up in advance is needed. All details of the seminar are available at the Guild website at www.amqg.org. And the Amherst Museum is at 3755 Tonawana Creek Road, Amherst, New York right on the line between Erie and Niagara counties. And I will post the link to the website in the show notes to this episode as well. Like I said, I would be there in a second if I wasn't going to be in another state. So (laughs) thank you so much, Mary Ellen, um, for making sure that we knew about that. And if you have other events you want me to announce, I'm happy to do them. And if I don't have enough time in a podcast to do them, I will certainly post them on the blog. Uh, Frances of Off-Kilter Quilt had commented on one of my uh, Facebook posts. Oh, I guess it was the um, where I posted about my episode on buying fabric. Uh, she says, I'm going to start buying fabric instead of eating chocolate when I'm stressed. That ought to build up my stash significantly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I really, I need to... Either stop buying fabric and stop eating chocolate or figure out which one does less damage to me. Christy commented uh, she wished me a happy birthday and um said that she truly enjoys the podcast and wanted me to have a great time on my mini retreat on my birthday, which i did loved it had a great time uh kim i <laughs> I did want to mention mention that on my mini quilt retreat, I did finally put the borders on my pinwheel quilt project, and yes finally got to use that double diamond ruler by Kim. Uh, If you remember, we did a whole episode about it a while back, and uh, this was the first time I'd tried it out once before, so I knew how it worked. I just, uh, the only reason I didn't finish the project I used it for the first time was because I really didn't like the colors I had chosen for the project. It had nothing to do with the rulers themselves, so I was really looking forward to being able to use the rulers on something that I was going to like, and I really loved the way it turned out for the borders on this quilt. So again, highly recommend the double diamond rulers. It's a very ne- neat technique. Um, and if you want to see it in action, you can go to my quilting for the rest of us.blogspot.com blog and look for pictures of my pinwheel quilt and check out the borders. Thank you to Vivian and Celia and Lynn and Nancy and Nancy, yes there was cake. In fact, there's still cake in the house <laughs> from my birthday and Jane and Colleen and, oh, Colleen told me that I have the same birthday as Weeks Ringle. That's pretty cool. And Maureen and Patty... And yes, Patty, you absolutely should do a mini quilt retreat for your own birthday. And Amy and Jay and quilter Caroline, who is also going to be putting pinwheels on her list of things to do. And I think you should. Pinwheels are just cute. They are just cute. I think everybody should do pinwheels. That's my opinion. Um, Teresa, thank you for your comment. And thank you to Very Lazy Daisy. Again, go listen to her podcast. And uh, to Jennifer. And Jennifer, no, I haven't used my clearly perfect angles yet. I haven't really had a reason to use them. The way I did the pinwheels was a little bit different. So um, I, I do need to get to that. Uh, Quilter in the Gap again, another podcaster. Make sure you listen to hers. Uh, she, I had talked, I'd done a whole blog entry, um, non-quilty, about wearing perfume every day. And yes, I'm wearing perfume today. If you want to know why, go read the blog. Uh, but she responded that she had to giggle when I mentioned my sensitivity to smells. She says, I have a girlfriend much like that. I often tell her she will be the only one in heaven who says, I can smell hell all the way from here. <laughs> And she, then she says, maybe she won't be the only one. And I would agree. I will probably pick up a little whiff of that too. And Celia said, uh, also commented that she likes a little perfume. And another Sandy with a Y. Um, <laughs> she says her perfume of choice is opium. And I just had to laugh because years and years and years ago, 20 years ago or so, back when my husband and I were first married and uh, he used to work in public accounting and had a lot of clients. And one of his clients was a company that put the perfume and the shampoo and the conditioner and all that kind of stuff in the little trial bottles for hotels. And so periodically they would send them home with extra stuff. And so he brought me, he called me up at one point and he said, you know, they're offering to give me some perfume leftover, would you like some? And I was like, sure, I like perfume. What is it? And he said, opium. I'm like, oh my word, <laughs> you know, go ahead and send it to me. Well, he brings home a big mason jar full of stuff, I mean, I mean a honking big mason jar. We're not talking a little jam jar. We're talking bigger than a mayonnaise jar. I don't like one of those really big restaurant pickle jars of opium perfume. And, you know, I wear perfume, not that much. That thing sat under, I put it under my kitchen counter and I would put it on with a (laughs) Q-tip. Do you know how long it takes to use a perfume a Q-tip at a time? (laughs) So I had that opium for years. I think I finally, I know all of you are going to shudder when I say this. I finally dumped the rest of it down the sink 12 years later. I figured by then this cannot smell at all the way it's really supposed to. It was pretty funny. Anyway, so that's my opium story. Um, and thank you also to Anne Marie. Anne Marie says uh most of, she also talks about being sensitive to smells and she says most of men's cologne does it or maybe that's because they insist on in swimming in they insist on swimming in it. Dude, a dabble do ya <laughs> That's, yes, that's pretty funny. I love it when I shake somebody's hand after church and I smell like them the rest of the day. And Frances again says she she is desperately in need of some new Chanel number five because that's what I wear and that's how I roll. Um, But she says she wears earrings every day because for the same reason I wear the perfume, basically. Louise, now we're on to comments to specific episodes. And Louise posted a comment on episode 56 in which I'm back, baby in which she said, after two long, hard days of large group trainings, I treated myself to a wander through a recently rebuilt quilt store. And she says it's, um, so be it in Ringgold, Georgia. Most of Ringgold was destroyed in a tornado in late April. It's good to know. I think I heard somebody else talking about whether or not that quilt store had been rebuilt. So yes, it has been very good. Um, anyway, Louise goes on to say, After stroking lots of fabrics, I took a gander at the book rack and picked up a book about jelly rolls. I love to look at them, but never really knew what to do with them. I'm, I was impressed with the organization, ideas, and samples. Once I left without buying anything, I plugged into your podcast. I was a bit behind. As I listened to you describe the book, I thought, That sounds like the book I just looked through. When you described the baskets that were printed in blue and on their sides, I thought, OMG, are we on the same wavelength? Someone just validated my impression of a great resource. So, yes, you do need to buy that book. <laughs> I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm um, glad you enjoy my podcast and that I'm keeping you company on those long drives. Carmen, also. Carmen is a new listener. And what do we say to new listeners? Because we love new listeners. Ready? Everybody say it with me. Woohoo! Um, welcome, Carmen. And she has also been catching up on podcasts on a six hour journey of interstate highways and detours. And boy, Carmen, it's the detours that'll get you every time. So again, I'm glad I could make that trip manageable for you. Lakeview Quilter, uh, Comdan on episode 59 in which we buy fabric. She says, my biggest pitfall with fabric shopping is buying more fabric for a project I've yet to get to. She says, say I find a a cute jelly roll that would make a great baby quilt. I buy it, then set it aside while I finish other works and projects. Then at a future trip, I find the coordinating chime pack. I buy it, thinking it will broaden my choices when it comes to picking a pattern, and then I bet you know what's coming. I hit my LQS for some backing fabric for another quilt and spot some yardage that's part of the line. Thinking that it's now been so long that I might not be able to find anything for backing my yet unstarted quilt, I buy a couple of yards. My original plan, a a cute little quilt for my baby nephew. My reality, enough fabric for a queen-size quilt that my teenage nephew won't want. (laughs) I absolutely loved that comment. Thank you so much. Um, I think we've probably all done that. Susan in North Georgia posted a comment on the same episode. Uh, says, "'I haven't bought fabric in quite a while due to a guilt complex about my stash. I bought lots of small cuts of things that I thought were really pretty and that I would use for traditional block designs. My stash is so varied that I often get confused.' To solve that, I began grouping in color families, and it really helped me make sense out of my stash. I have only bought for a project a couple of times. I also love to shop thrift stores and always buy 100% cotton when I do, but I haven't done that in a while either. I recently had sticker shock when I went to the fabric store, so I realized I need to hang on to the fabric I purchased in the past. And yes, that's true, although I would say you don't need to hang on to it. You need to use it. Yay! And then when you've used it, eventually you get to buy more. Noni uh, posted on the same episode, good examination of why we buy fabric. And she says, <laughs> helps me figure things out since I avoid thinking about things sometimes. And she asks, How much fabric do you buy when you buy? A, a yard, a half yard, other amount? Just wondering because you talk in pieces. Um, and I think I did cover how much I purchase way back in yonder years, one of my very early episodes in which I talked about building a fabric stash. I think I also covered how much you buy. Generally speaking, I tend to buy in half-yard cuts now. Um, I'll buy a yard if it's a larger print or something I think I'm going to need you know, to cut differently or more pieces of. And I'll buy two or three yards if I think it's a border fabric. Um, but those aren't hard and fast rules. <laughs> I don't always tend to follow a distinct pattern when I'm buying my fabric. Victoria of Peacebrook Quilter. Another podcast asked what the blog address was for the weekly app review, and I think what you're referring to is Jan's blog, which is Quilting Revolution, and I didn't look it up, but I will make sure I post the um, link to that blog on the show notes to this episode as well. I know I've posted it once before, I think probably on the podcast episode in which I talked about it, but I will find the actual link. That's the problem with using Google Reader is you tend to forget what somebody's actual blog address is because it comes to you automatically. Um, Trish commented that she is even considering joining the Hexy Bunch. Please do. Uh, She was referring back to episode 52 in which the hexagons attack. Some of you may remember that there are a few of us who are doing kind of a long-term very non-directive <laughs> sort of vague quasi-hexagon quilt along sort of thing. Um, Jay of artquiltmaker.com and Pam of hip to be a square podcast and me all got together last spring and egged each other on Well, mostly Jay did the egging and <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Um, she did the coercing, the arm twisting, the um, haranguing until I agreed finally to take on hexagons and uh, Pam decided to join along in the fun. And Pam created a fun little button that we have on our blogs now um, about the hexi attack. And basically, we're not giving you any patterns. We're not saying you have to have this much done this week. We're just doing hexagon projects and want you to join along with us. And if you decide to do a hexagon project too, just, you know, send us pictures. That's all we ask. It's pretty easy. Diamond Kim, again, Kim of Double Diamond Rulers had posted where I'd posted in Flickr a picture of the pinwheel quilt with the um, double diamond ruler. She commented on the quilt itself, but then she says, By the way, why do we never see your face, Sandy? You remind me of the neighbor on Tim Allen's sitcom Home Improvement, whose face was always partially hidden behind the fence or some other prop. Let's start a grassroots movement, listeners, readers, all in favor of seeing Sandy's face say I, And that, yes, there were a couple of eyes that were after that. Um, And by the way, if you're in Big Tent, I believe I do actually have my photo on my profile in Big Tent. But on Facebook and in other places, it tends to be random animals. <laughs> that I use more often, mostly because I find them more interesting than my own face. But I did, um, Kim, if you're listening to this and you haven't been in Flickr lately, I did post a, a profile picture just for you. Hope you enjoy it. And that's really about it. That's pretty much all I've got for today's episode, I think. So again, the reminder about the deadline coming up, September 12th, next week. Now, next week, I have two back-to-back trips I'm home for about a day and a half or two days in between. Not positive I'm going to be able to pull out a podcast episode. We'll see. Certainly probably won't have a lot to talk about. We'll see if I can get that done. So don't worry if you don't hear from me next week. It just means that things got very chaotic between my two trips. But then um, once I'm home, I'm home for a little while and things settle down. So I will definitely be able to post one after that trip. So everybody, if I don't talk to you between now and, you know, September, whenever that is, somewhere around the 20th-ish, have some wonderful quilty time. Make sure you're sending me pictures of your Warm Stash Challenge projects, and uh, I will let you know who the winner is of the drawing when I post the next episode. So until then, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.